Welcome back to the Birdies and Beers podcast. I'm your host, Lowie. Tonight, we've got a full crew as well. We've got D-Webb, Scott Diggity Dog, and Matthew Argies. How are we doing, guys? Well, thank you. Very good, mate. Very good. Thanks, Lowie. Perfect, mate. Hey, um, this week's podcast, uh, if you love golf... Um, you'll know that there's no real good events on this weekend. So we're skipping a couple of weeks ahead. We're going to talk about the Masters. We're then going to follow it up with a bit of uh, our Bab Tour, which is uh, three weeks in counting. Might even be two weeks in counting. Um, I've got one of those little little advent calendars and there's about 15 or 16 chocolates left in the windows waiting to be opened, mate. You should have got one with schooners, mate, and you could have just opened one up and had a beer every night and counted down to we should do that. I reckon that would be a big seller for Masters. That's pen, could you trust pending, yourself everybody. After one night could be down to from go from 12 days to one day in one night. <laughs> or you do you wait for the one night before Bab starts and then you have the 20 that you're supposed to have 20 days countdown before it. Yeah, that would be the manly way to go about it. And D-Web can just keep drinking down his kombucha. Hey, um, first we go around the grounds with how their bets went last week at the Zozo. Uh, Argie had a win of a massive probably 43 cents because he backed the field. $1.48. So, you know, he he, nearly halved his money. Um, I was nervous. The two champs were running him down, but then they just choked. Yeah, exactly, mate. Always take the field, isn't it? Apparently. Um, Scotty, how did your uh, bets go, mate? Who'd you bet on? Yeah, mate, I was on uh, Matty Wolf and Daniel Berger, both in the without market. Uh, they were both there or thereabouts a couple of days in and then really gave me nothing. I think Berger ended, you know, maybe top 20 there or thereabouts. But, yeah, pretty disappointing, uh, disappointing week there. But... Not as disappointing as the Bab Goat D Web. How'd you go? Uh, yeah, I backed Justin Thomas. So I led to the uh, last round and then um, lost by a shot. So, um, yeah, another second for him uh, that I backed him in. And yeah, good times. So I'm coming to, to really think um, that I might be an issue with the boys betting. Uh, I didn't make a bet until the last round and saw JT at $3.50 going into the last round and thought I'll jump on that and then he lost. So I'm going to take that loss on your behalf, D-Webb. I believe that I may have jinxed your bet by jumping on very, very late. Um, so I apologise for that, mate. I didn't tell you. How, how many of your 24-leg multi got up? How many? <laughs> Anyway, so let's move on. Um, but just just going on that on the on the subject of betting, like we're talking about, like getting on mates and stuff, and like there's nothing worse, is there, boys? I'm not going to name any names here. But we got this text. We got this text message come through today, and it was um, the, bat- was the what is it? The worst the cup. The the wor- the Bendigo Cup down Bendigo. in uh, Bendigo, and um, the worst win in my life. Put early money on a mate's tip. Blows out to 27, and I get it boosted at 16, FML. So for those that don't know what FML is, I think it's F my life. But you know what? I'm going to double down on that and say FML. 
when your mate gets a tip from another mate and doesn't share it with the boys. How ordinary is that? All right, I'm going to throw it out there, right? So I get this tip for this horse that's at $14. To be honest, a $14 tip isn't really a tip that I really normally would shout. I put $10 on it, boys. It's not like I threw the bank at it. Um, I put zero on it because I didn't get the tip. Oh. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, I would have probably put a lazy 50 on it, but, you know. Hey, oh, here we stuff. go. That's the way it goes. <sighs> All right, boys. It, it was a part of that text thread. I don't, I don't remember getting that text thread. I must have put it the one that you said about the golf bets that week. Um, I put it in there, but I just obviously it wasn't. You didn't get it, so apologies. Yeah, that one. That, that one disappears into a big black hole, doesn't it, Lowy? Exactly. The thing about it is, too, what really frustrates me, and and if you check out the Bab Twitter, Bab uh, Bab Tour Golf, I actually tweeted at. Uh, Sportsbet today. We love Sportsbet, no doubt. But today cement, uh, cemented in my mind, horse race betting is better with Bet365. So Bet365, you can put a bet on at $14 fixed, but if it blows out to $27 on jump, they pay the $27. Like So yeah. they hold the value if um, the $14 if it comes in, but if it blows out, they pay the blowout market. Now, I'm not... Like I'm not complaining, you know. Obviously, I picked up a hundred bucks, but uh, that betting with three six five today would have blown me out from a hundred and sixty dollars to uh, two hundred and seventy. So, as a punter, you take those things on, you know. Well, well, that's if they, if that's if I've, I've unfortunately been removed from Bet Three Six Five's promotions. But um, again, my friends at Sportsbet uh, looked after me today in the Bendigo Cup. I was on the local uh, horse Supergirl each way, and the poor thing broke down around the first turn. So mm. Sportsbet actually yeah. issued a bonus bet up to the stake as a justice refund. So yeah, thanks, Sportsbet. You're still in my good, good books. Shit, yeah. Yeah, good shout out. Um, but yeah, look, boys, I'll put it in that text thread anytime I get a, a tip from this bloke. Um, he had a mate at the track and he said, Oh, it's, yeah, it's looking good. Oh, you. And I just thought, Oh, here we go. He's just uh, got a mate at the track. But no, oh, obviously, he did have a mate at the track. Anyway, uh, thanks for the tip. Uh, thanks for two dozen balls for the Bab trip. That's what it's going towards. Uh, and I'll probably lose those round one at Marucci River with. Um, the 47,000 kilometres of water that it has at that track. So, fantastic. Talking about pers- uh, golf balls, Argy, have you got your personalised balls yet, mate? I have, yeah. I've already lost half of them. <laughs> Perfect. Um, just in time. Yeah, no, I've held on to just enough uh, coming into the Bab trip. So, that was the tightless deal that they had at John and Golf. It was yeah. buy three dozen Pro V1s and they gave you a dozen for free, plus they personalised them. I mean... You're not. not so what did you? Oh, you're making money. What did honey. you? What did you uh, get personalised on there, Argy? Like a, a little no. glass of shandy? No, no, no. Just kept it very simple. Just 2007 M3. champ. No, M3. All yeah. I wanted. Because normally I just mark my ball with a three, which also looks like an M. So. No. So is that uh, an AFL reference to? Did you wear number three? Uh, yeah, I did wear number three for most of my career, but also number nine. The three would be my favourite number. Yeah, right. We should break down some uh, sporting careers. Uh, Maddie's played for Australia, but that's another story, isn't it, Maddie? New Zealand, mate. Played for New Zealand. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> I took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. All right. Look, before we move on to the Masters uh, and 
the rest of the podcast, we always have this segment, Richard's random question. I've thrown it out to the boys today. Uh, best biography or autobiography that you've read. Uh, I'm a massive book reader. If you know me, um, I've read about three books in 38 years. Uh, and two of them happen to be autobiographies or biographies. So and the other one was a penthouse. No, nah, yeah, no, it was a, it was a magazine that had crosswords in it, um, and pictures. So I just go to the crosswords, mate, you know, smart man that I am. <laughs> um, let's start with Matthew Argus, mate. You look like an edumacated bloke. Um, What's your favourite? No, I struggle to have the patience to read books, but I listened to an audio book a couple of weeks ago. Audio books have changed my life. It was um, the Motley Cruise one, The Dirt. Unbelievable. What an eye-opener for how those boys lived, um, what, 20 years or 30 years ago. Um, from the very first sort of chapter or the first few pages, it is just full-on. One of the greatest listens, I guess, because I didn't read it, um, one of the greatest listens I've had in a long time. Yeah, right. I might actually get on that audible. Um, I spend a lot of time in the car sitting in traffic and it might be the way that I start reading books by listening to them. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. Um, D Webb, I know you're a man that loves a good book um, and you've probably read a few. Can you name one of your favorites, mate? Uh, I'll give you two, mate, that jumped out when you said it. Um, The Andre Agassi book uh, is fascinating. Um, just how much he hates tennis or hated tennis at, at certain times in his career and still was able to achieve what he achieved. It's, um, it really is a phenomenal read. And the other one was um, Anthony Kiedis, the Red Eye Chili Peppers frontman. I thought his book was just crazy, like similar to what uh, you was just saying about Motley Crue. It's just ridiculous uh, what he got up to and how he's still alive at this point in time and still, is again, had uh, Scar tissue, D-Web? Uh, yes. Yeah, very good reading. Um, so with those autobiographies, with those uh, rock stars, um, and mine is a rock star too. Mine um, is Slash, obviously the life of Slash. I used to be a big Gunners and Roses um, fan as a kid and it was one of the first books that I actually read. Um, you have to wonder if... You know, like when we say I rolled in a 40-footer for birdie and, you know, and it was literally two feet, you, do you think that they exaggerate a fair bit or do you think they're right on the money if that's how they live their life? Uh, I tend to think most of it's true, mate. There might be a bit of mayo on it, but I'd say for the most part, I'd say it's yeah. probably like holding a 35-footer and calling it 40. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, thanks. Like, you know, I, I remember reading this slash book and he, he'd talk about drinking between one and a half liters and two liters of JD a day. And I just, I couldn't comprehend anybody drinking that kind of much, um, every day. So anyway, Scotty, let's move on to yours, mate. What you got a favorite biography or autobiography? Yeah. Look, I, there's two that came to mind. One was obviously the Wolf of Wall Street. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Great yeah. movie. L- looking at that, reading that book and, and, and thinking what, what's true and what's not, but it appears it's pretty much all true. Um, but the, what the first, one of the first books I read, um, a book called Marching Powder, uh, by an Australian author, Rusty Young, it tells the story uh, of a, a guy called Thomas McFadden who was caught in a Bolivian airport with five kilograms of cocaine 
in his bag, and he gets um, he gets locked up in in a, a prison there in Bolivia. And my, it, it is it is can't put the book down stuff, and it's a, it's a great read, and I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I'd highly recommend you and Argy to listen to it on a on an audio book sometime in the near future, Lowy. All right. Well, look, we'll put it down on text threads so I can uh, see what they are and I'll probably grab all of those on an audio book. Um, and the other favourite uh, real-life book that I like is uh, Harry Potter uh, and the Goblet of Fire, uh, one of the greatest live sporting events movies that you can watch. So all based on true, true facts. Um, so, yeah, get around <laughs> that one too, boys. Uh, I got uh, I do have one more for you too mate book called Shantaram it's about a bloke who was uh, went to prison over here in Australia and um, ended up escaping by jumping the fence in broad daylight ended up in the slums in India and it's a crazy read it's ridiculous very long though but uh, the more you get into it it's just ridiculous oh, well the more hours I'll spend in the car and listen to it that sounds fantastic that's it, it. Um, alright let's move on to what we're here uh, to talk about is Golf, PGA golf, any golf, just love golf. Uh, let's talk about the US Masters. So if you're a golf fan of any type, you will know Augusta National and some of the holes around there and just how picture perfect it is. Um, D-Webb, I know you're normally our course guy, loves to talk about different types of tracks. What's mm-hmm. What... Um, what key features do you need to have a successful round at Augusta National? Well, generally it's just known as a second shot golf course. So you got to put the thing in play and, um, and then it's all about the greens, mate. Like they're, they're, they're very undulating, very up and down, very tricky pin positions. So um, you need to be on uh, with your irons and, and like Tiger, again, that's what Benny's absolute go-to and, um, for his entire career and he's obviously had very good success there. Same as guys like Phil Mickelson, like wonderful short game. So the closer you get to the hole, the better those guys are. Um, which makes it interesting looking at the market when Bryson's $8.50. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, it's going to be interesting too with the weather because apparently it is going to be very cold, which is going to make it play very long. So it might be a bit of a test for the shorter hitters. Um, but we'll probably wait till we get a little bit closer and just see what the weather's actually doing. Yeah, it's um, it's known for its length, but yet finesse around the greens uh, or short game. That's for sure. I actually think it's probably the only tournament that I actually sit down and watch multiple hours over the weekend for. Uh, I absolutely love the track. I think it's one of um, one of the highlights on the PGA Tour. Uh, Argie, off the top of your head, mate, what do you um, what hole do you know you like the most or your favourite hole? Yeah, so I've uh, done a bit of research today. I had the day off work, played um, Augusta a couple of times with my brother on PlayStation. So um, and it was amazing. <laughs> the undulation on those greens was unreal. Like I know you see it on TV and all that, but, and it's not playing it for real. But, you know, the, the PlayStation's done a great job with that game. But 16 for me, that par three, I just love it. So much it drama Redbud, on that hole. Apparently. Red Bud is the name of the hole, 16. Yeah, okay. Yeah, love that hole though. Um, so much drama. So I can't, I can't find, uh, look, and I haven't spent a lot of time looking on the internet uh, for it, but it said that it ranked the 13th hardest hole in 2018. 
uh, with one hole in one. And does anybody want to guess who had the hole in one in the 2018 Masters? There was only one on that hole. Anybody want to guess who it was? Ooh, Zach Johnson. JT. There's two. JT, Zach Johnson, Argie, you have a clue? Oh, I'll have a run at uh, Bubba. Boys, disappointed. Who's my man? Shane, Shane Larry. Larry had a hole in one there in 2016, the only one. So You know Tiger's chip in there, the famous chip in. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched the, I'm sure you have the doc. I've never seen the highlights of any of Tiger's no, no, stuff at the Masters. Previous, previous to it, like, so Tiger was the last group. The group before, um, I think it was Jim Truick or something, he hit a hole in one on that hole. So those people in the space of 15 or 20 minutes saw a hole in one followed by probably one of the greatest golf shots of our lifetime. Imagine being there for that. Yeah. And you know, apparently uh, they have amazing food and obviously you all know that I love food. So that would be one thing also I'd love to go to the masters for. Um, Scotty, have you had a look at what holes uh, or what hole really gets your eye for the masters? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it. I think it's Azalea. The, is it the 13th? Is that the, that's the one over yeah. the, over the little, um, the, Guarded yep. by the little creek along the front. Yep, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. That's my whole. I just I'm fascinated by, you know, that second shot in there. You know, do they take it on, and and the heartbreak that, you know, you see so many so many times when they come up short. Or I am um, I like the, I like seeing that. Who do you reckon? What? Who was it that had that? I think it was Phil, wasn't it? That had that amazing approach shot there one year. Um, out of the pine straw. Yeah, out of the point. Yeah, that was the one. Um, that's yeah. an incredible hole. Um, you can see it on the cameras as well. Um, just how high it goes in the air and how much turn there is on the on the on the corner as well. Um, yet yeah, 2018 ranked, that was the actual easiest hole on the course. Uh 2018. I think that the length that the players are hitting now, that hole probably doesn't have the the drama that it used to, because I think most are sort of hitting driver and then, you know, long irons. Yeah. Apparently in, well, I'm, look, as I said, I'm only going on 2018 ranks. It was 510 yards. Um, so some of these players now are hitting at 350 off the tee, um, big high draw plus the run, you know, they would be hitting very low clubs going in towards there these days, I suppose. Yeah. Bryson's talking about just taking it straight over the trees, hitting yeah. at 350. Didn't, didn't Bubba do that a few years ago? Yeah, yes. bubble yeah. was the first to do that. Yeah, but if you go, if you can cut it far enough, if you go too long, you just run onto the next hole. It's all fairway everywhere. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about even throwing a few trees down there just to um, turn him off it, try and put him off the it. Yeah, um, D Webb, you'll have a favourite hole there for sure, unless it's already been said. Uh, I, I love that section you spoke about, 12, 13, into 14, then you got 15 and 16, you know, the path five and the path three. Like So much can happen in that space of holes. I think that's what makes it so fun to watch um, when you get on the back nine because literally anything can happen and something crazy generally does. So, yeah, that stretch hole is definitely the favourite. Yeah, I um, I agree. Just if you can go under in or under par in those three holes in the finals final day, and you're up there on the top of the leaderboard, it really puts you in a strong position to to take on um, the victory. If that makes sense, I actually really love the the second hole, uh, the 
first par five. Uh, it's 575 mm. yards. Get a good tee shot around from there and you look like I'm with Argy. I've played it tons of time on PlayStation. Um, and you think, yep, I'm going to land it on the green, eagle putt, birdie putt, whatever. But that green just seems impossible for people to hit into. Uh, they either hit it, it rolls off, or they pull up short on either of the left or right bunkers. So I actually think that's would be such a, a great hole to play um, just to actually see the, uh, the how the hole is actually laid out because it looks incredible. Um, so uh, I just got a, a pop-up on the screen. Um, we've obviously been talking smack for a while before the podcast starts. We've got 10 minutes left. <laughs> um, so we probably won't get to any bad stuff tonight for our trip, but let's have a quick little chat about the master's odds at the moment. We've got uh, Bryson $8.50. These are all with sports bet at the moment. Uh, John Rahm at $12. Rory at 12. DJ at 13. JT at 13. Xander Shoffley at 15. Brooks Kepka 19. Uh, we'll just have a quick chat about those guys to start with because they're obviously the favourites. Um, and this is just a, a quick little chat about the Masters and what we enjoy about it. Um, D-Webb, you were just bringing up Bryson, mate, at $8.50. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, he's a little skinny for me. I don't see that he's any different to any of those other guys you just named. Um, I think everyone's jumping on that U.S. Open performance, but you've got to take into consideration they're completely different golf courses here. Like the rough at the U.S. Open was extremely long, um, and so it really suited someone who can belt the ball down there. And if he was off the fairway, he had the power, and he was close enough to get it on the green. Um, and even with the chipping around the greens, it was chipping out of that long stuff. It's completely opposite to what it is at um, the Masters. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be taking too much of that performance for the win in terms of what he's going to do this week. He's definitely one of the favourites, um, no doubt in my mind. But as I said to me, there's no difference between him and John Rahm or DJ or Justin Thomas um, and even Rory to an extent, I suppose, but I won't be going near him. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think it'll be interesting. And obviously everyone's jumping up about his distance. But, but again, the key at the Masters is the iron play and getting the ball close. Now, his strengths are his driving and his putting and he's – his iron play is a bit hit and miss. When it's on, he kills it. When it's off, he struggles. Um, and his chipping can be hit and miss as well. And again, he chipped it really well, I thought, at the US Open. Um, so again, if he does, if he gets those two parts of his game going, then absolutely load up. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 not overly keen at eight dollars fifty. Yeah, I think eight eight dollars fifty at the Masters is a crazy, uh, ridiculous. Um, price for somebody um, for the Masters. I know he's got the game to belt the ball as long as he does, but uh, we've seen Bryson when his short game's not on. It's, it's you know, it's just a, a, a tournament that really anybody can win, even though Brooks will tell you there's only a half a dozen people in the field that can. Um, we saw what Denny Willett did to everybody that year. So um, $8.50, I can't touch him for that. So, um I'll have a quick talk about my man Noodles. Um, Twelve dollars, pretty short for for him. Um, he is in some great form at the moment. Played really, really well on the weekend, but just didn't close. Uh, once again, long hitter, great short game. Uh, putter can be there, but it can also not be there. And these greens are obviously some of the toughest greens that um, 
that we can or that they play. They're always super quick. So, uh, Argy, do you have any thoughts about Rory, mate, at twelve dollars and in his form at the moment? Oh, Rory, he's he's just notorious for being a three-day player for me. Um, particularly, I guess, more in his latter part of his career. Um, the amount of times he's let us down with one day or or something along the lines. Um, I actually think Bryson's probably like the length will suit him because I know it's all about placement around the green. So, you know, if he's hitting wedges into to the greens that other blokes are hitting eight irons or nine irons, um, it's going to be a huge advantage for him. And he has performed well in the past. Like I know it's $8.50, but, you know, Dusty Martin was $4.50 for the Norm Smith. Sometimes you just got to get on the favourite. Yeah, that's good good strategy. I thought you'd be betting the field at $1.37, but um, good to see you've got some. You've got your eye on a player for once, which is great. Um, let's move to uh, Scotty. You can talk about your man, DJ. Uh, I've got – it's a dollar I won. I've just checked sports bet that Paulina gets brought up. So, um, Scotty, <laughs> you want to talk about DJ, Bye. mate? Look, I'd love to talk about DJ. I actually didn't have any any plan talk about Paulina, but um, now that you do mention her, just a big shout out to Paulina. Love your work. Keep it up, um, DJ. Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one for me. Obviously, he finished uh, the FedEx Cup last year in sensational touch, uh, striking the ball as best as he's ever hit it. But the thing for DJ is, interestingly enough, there always seems to be something going on with him around the Masters. I remember he fell down the stairs a few years ago when he was hot favourite. He was playing really good golf. This year coming in, well, 2020 has been a shit show as it is, but, I mean, he's contracted COVID and he's, I don't know if he was asymptomatic or whatever, how much work he's been doing. Um, There's always something going on with DJ around the time of the Masters, whenever it is. So, um, look, I'm going to back him to... Uh, continue his form and I think the course sets up really well for him and it would not surprise me at all to see DJ donning uh, that famous green jacket uh, by the end of the tournament. Yeah, massive, massive shout. Um, DJ always does uh, have something around, something lingering around um, the Masters. Um, so, yeah, I have to wait and see what the excuse is this year, I suppose, apart from COVID. Um before we take off, we'll talk about one more person. Uh, we'll talk about D-Webb's JT bet that he's put on a long time ago, currently at $13. Uh, D-Webb, how do you feel about that bet now, mate? Not good. I mean, he's obviously – it's good to see he's been in the mix. I'm not sure if he's playing next week at Houston or not or whether he's going straight to the Masters. Um, I hope he just goes straight there. I think the key for him is just going to be to um, keep the ball and play off the tee. It's probably – He's uh, Achilles' heel a little bit too, I think. The, only, the concerning part is it's happening when he's under the gun and um, you know, it's going to need to tighten that up. I mean, the good news is, is that Masters, the fairways are a bit wider. Um, but, yeah, and even last week, he, like he obviously came second, but he's he's generally really you know good and one of the best in, in his iron play and that probably wasn't at the top of his game last week, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, he parted a bit better. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be thereabouts. I reckon this needs to be his week. What have you got him at? Uh, I got him at 15. Yeah, he's come into the market a little bit on, on sports bet down to 13s. Um, look, I actually like the fact that he hasn't won. Um, you know, I just think if you win an event very close to the Masters, um, I don't know, you can kind of get that 
false sense of security. I think if he knows he's close to a win, he keeps trying hard and, and that's what you kind of want. Someone that doesn't give up and um, really gets, um, gets the ball going forward quickly in the masters. You can't, you can't win it in the first day, but you can lose it. So um, I actually like the fact that JT hasn't won one of these smaller tournaments. And um, I think he'll be amped up for, for that week at um, Augusta. Look before. Um, Sorry, he did win three months ago at the St. Jude, which is a pretty big event. these Yeah, days. that's what I'm saying, but not recently. I'm talking about like a, a no. couple of weeks before, like he's still hunting around. No, he's second month week. Yeah, second, then it's 12th week before eighth, and then third. So yeah, so he's in good form, but he's just driving hard to get that win. I think looking, and correct me if I'm wrong, boys, but I think generally looking back, generally speaking, through the through the uh, the Masters victories, the players usually won at some point in that calendar year. Um, Yeah, but I mean, this year being the year it has been, I don't know if that. Um, how that ties in, but you know it's always something to look at when you when you're doing your form and your research around putting your bet on at Augusta. Yeah, um, we'll say goodbye here at the moment, and um, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, yeah, so we'll uh, probably bring up more master stuff next week on next week's podcast. Uh, until then, guys, we'll catch us later. See you, boys. Thanks, Mark. See you, boys. Bye.